You're listening to Interviews with Adam. I am your host, Adam Miller. And today we are joined by a good friend, a long friend of, of song time, goes back with John DeBrine for, for many years. And his stories behind the hymns have been a part of our Christmas cards as well as our newsletter for for several years. His name is Bill Daigle, and he has a passion for for the Psalms and for hymns. Bill, thank you so much for being a part of our program. Yes, well, thank you, Adam, for inviting me. It's a joy. Uh, why don't you get us started by telling us a, a little bit about what drew you into hymns and the stories behind it in the first place, because uh, that is how you're best known, I guess, to our, our Songtime audience is through your hymn stories. Uh, tell us a little yeah. bit about what drew you into those in the first place. I was in Bible school down in Lynchburg, Dr. Falwell schools back in the 70s, and I met Dr. Al Smith. He visited Thomas Road, and it was the first time I ever heard a story behind one of our great hymns of the faith, and it just intrigued me. Uh, years later, in the 80s, uh, Dr. Al and I eventually became friends and uh, got to know each other quite well. Visited him a lot down in Montrose, where he lived, and then eventually retiring to Greenville, South Carolina, and he went home to be with the Lord back in, I believe, 81, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, had the chance to visit uh, him in Montrose, and I think the Lord at that time called me into the ministry of sharing the stories behind the hymns and trying to fill his shoes. So it's been an interesting trip over the last uh, 20, 25 years. Oh, obviously, there's a great value, and our listeners are aware of that, having heard the stories, read the stories behind these hymns. Um, what, is it that, what does it add to the hymn itself when you know the context of, of where it came from out of the, the writer's heart? Well, I think what makes it come alive is the fact we realize these are real people who went through real experiences, and they turned to a real God for answers. And fortunately for us, they would record whatever was taking place at the time in a poem, eventually set the music, and thus the song would be born. I think Ephesians 5.19 explains it best when it says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Then Dr. Al always added at this point that we are not the audience, God is. And then we make a melody in our heart unto the Lord. So these folks going through maybe a suffering, a tragedy, a loss, and in some cases, like I need the every hour, just a fine summer's morning, would express that in poetic verse, and then someone would come along and add the music, making melody in our hearts unto God, and thus the hymn would be born. It is interesting how the hymns um, were written over such a large period of time. It's the same thing with the Psalms. Uh, there was a large period of time as they were gathered and collected for the, the singing of the people of God. Um, it is also, you know, a lot of these writers were trying to write uh, theology through song in hymns, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And it's been said that the Reformation, Martin Luther, the beginning of uh, the Protestant movement in the world came about because Martin Luther realized it's for by grace that we're saved. We're not going to work your way in heaven. That's obvious to us who know Christ. And out of that, he would start to write. On an eve of a court battle with the Church, he wanted to rally his followers, and he would write, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulk word never failing. And he would challenge his followers to follow Jesus and the music, the songs, and the content 
Content, content, content is so important. Uh, I wonder, of all these stories that you've researched throughout the years, uh, which is the one that has probably the, the most profound backstory that, uh, that has really um, kind of either taken you by surprise or really given you such a greater appreciation for the hymn itself? I, I probably, it's, it's a song that was written by Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford was born in 1823 in Lansingburg, New York, which is probably about an hour or so from where I live. And I had the opportunity to visit his home. His birthplace still stands. It's right next to the house that Herman Melville was born in. And Horatio Spafford, many years later, as a lawyer out in Chicago, sending his family over to Europe at the Chicago Fire in 1871-72. His four daughters and his wife were lost in a tragic accident on the North Atlantic Sea. And out of that, Spafford would write, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever thy loss thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And I've shared that story and that song for over 20-plus years now, and never do I share the story where people, they really pay attention, and you can see their eyes lighting up and their faces, unfortunately, in some cases, identifying with that kind of loss. Throughout all of the years uh, of these stories and um, th- those that we've even seen in our, in our newsletter as well as our Christmas card, um, I think that this is the thing that probably gets the most reaction in, in our newsletter or a Christmas card. People write in and thank us for these stories because they bring that extra layer to the music, the songs that they've loved throughout the years. Um, a lot of times songs can have that, that personal connection, that personal uh, that personal story that came come to us in our own stories, and I know that there are some hymns stories in that regard as well. That they, it's not so much about the person that wrote it, but the pre- people that they've touched. Um, uh, what are some of those songs that have uh, had those long-lasting stories that have touched people throughout the years? Well, I probably we go back to Fanny Crosby, and and she got saved at the age of thirty, blind all of her life, would write over eight thousand songs. So there's a real deep well to uh, dip into and to enjoy. Uh, Blessed Assurance, My Savior First of All, Rescue the Perishing, um, Safe in the Arms of Jesus. All these songs loaded with great Bible doctrine, usually three to four verses in length. Great singable music attached allows someone like myself and others I'm not well-versed in music, and unfortunately, I'm not blessed with a voice to sing it. But boy, I sure enjoy it, because it touches the heart. It leaves a message. And like I said earlier, a lot of times, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long, blessed assurance. I can identify with that, because I got saved as a youngster at the age of 10, and that was a song I sang. And I, I can go back there and remember it so well in that little church up on the hill. Now, we know that the, the hymns are here as a songbook. They've become the songbook for the church for, for, for many years. Um, and they, there's that balance there of, of spiritual songs and the psalms as well. But it's harder to divide all those up into categories because there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of overlapping. There's a lot of the psalms that have influenced hymns and a lot of uh, hymns that have come out of the psalms, correct? 
Oh, definitely. And uh, I think of Isaac Watts and, and having the privilege uh, to be with Songtime this past Christmas and share that story, which, is, you know, it never was intended as a Christmas song. That's what makes the story so interesting when you think of Joy to the World. And he was taking Psalm 98, and he was interpreting it in the language of the day. As he studied it through, he called it the imitations of David's uh, uh, writings. And out of that, he would give us this wonderful song, Joy to the World. But when you look at the words, content, content, you soon realize that that song has yet to be fulfilled. And when you put it back to where it began in Psalm 98 and put it back into context, you realize that's a psalm talking about Jesus coming again in his millennial reign here on earth. So I find that so interesting, a song we sing a lot, but yet it has yet to happen when you look at the, where it came from, what the author was thinking, content, content, so important. You know, a lot of the, the hymns we sing, we could even just spend some time without even getting the backstory, just looking at the content, because a lot of those hymns <laughs> uh, we sing without realizing what they're actually saying. Um, yeah. So the hymns are there to teach, but we also need to teach on the hymns. I'm sure this has been a large part of not only telling the stories behind them, but uh, bringing the meanings of them to life, correct? Oh, definitely. And I, I try to be practical. Um, I'm a nuts-and-bolts type of guy, and, and, and my work, full-time work, is working in automobiles and that type of thing, so I have a mechanical aptitude. But think about it. There's some songs that I don't know if I can sing, one being, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender. Could I honestly say that out loud to my Lord and Savior? There's a t- times in my life when I, I should never sing that song, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's, I can certainly, there's a lot of songs we sing very boldly and, and, and verbosely in the, in the congregation, but when you think about the words, you'd sing them far more humbly. Yeah, well, unfortunately, you can get caught up in the syndrome of uh, thinking about what you're going to do Sunday afternoon and forgetting what you're doing Sunday morning as you stand there uh, singing a, a great song and, and not paying attention to the words and what you're actually singing, or as the Bible says, saying to one another, many years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not for me he died at Calvary. Great testimony song. Uh, written by William Newell, who, as a 17-year-old student at Moody Bible Institute, was unsaved, but because of R.A. Torrey, got saved and would eventually be a teacher there 30 years later, and he would recall being a non-Christian and writing that song uh, at Calvary. And see, see how that song comes alive when you realize the story. Of all the the hymns, which one would be your favorite? We've already heard your your kind of favorite hymn story, but of all the hymns, which which one's your favorite? Which one do you like to sing and always brings you to a place of of, of great worship and awe of our our God and Savior? I I hold very strongly that God saves us for a reason, and whatever amount of time He gives us here on earth, it's wise use of that time to try to find out what that reason might be. And then when you discover it, put it into action. Fanny Crosby described it so well when she said, when my life's work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, in that bright and glorious morning I shall see. 
and of course she was blind most of her almost all her whole life and she was talking about my savior first of all and I, i'll be truthful i i have sung that myself and we've used it in hymn story programs and with the story in the song usually you can see a little dampness on the eyelids or, or below the eyelids and people really start to relate to the fact that as james says life is but a vapor that soon passes away what am I doing today for Jesus? That's what's going to count for all eternity. Soon it will be over, all too soon. We've been talking with Bill Daigle. He is our own personal hymn story writer here at Songtime, and I'm sure that you have been blessed by those stories, whether it's in our Christmas card or in one of our newsletters. Uh, Bill, thank you so much for, for not only uh, being with us today, but for really doing the, the homework and the work to give us more meaning to the songs that we sing. Oh, it's a joy. It really, truly is. And we're, I just look forward to each and every day, each and every opportunity to travel to local churches in the great Northeast, or wherever God calls me, and to share these stories. But most of all, I never close a program without inviting people to come to know Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior. And once that happens, wow, the music really takes on greater meaning. We hope you enjoyed this interview made possible by our ministry at Songtime Radio. You can find out more information about our ministry by visiting our website at songtime.com, where you can find this and other interviews on our podcast series, as well as our weekday broadcast, which includes teaching, interviews, and music. We also want to encourage you to sign up for our free monthly newsletter. It's got encouraging articles, and there is no obligation to find out more information about our ministry. Again, visit our website at songtime.com. This ministry is made possible by people just like yourself. We are 100% supported by our listeners. So if you have been blessed today, why not join with the many voices together for that one message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, with your donation to the Songtime ministry. To make a donation, you can do so online at our website at songtime.com, as well as by mail. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. Make a donation over the phone. It's 508-362-7070. On behalf of our entire Songtime staff and our own Dr. John DeBrine, the founder here at Songtime, who encourages you to grow in grace and not groan in disgrace. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller. God bless. God bless.